if you do this tithe, God will bless you, mm. has it exactly backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is because God has blessed, I want to offer this gift. Right. I want to say thank you in this very practical way that I feel. And just like uh, your daughter, we all say, no, but it's mine. Yes. And that's exactly the rub, mm. right? Oh, no, no, it's not. Right. This is a spiritual practice that's supposed to work this into us. Welcome to Faith Refresh, where we take another look at the Bible passages, beliefs, and other church stuff you've probably heard a million times and find something fresh. Hey, welcome back to a new episode of Faith Refresh. My name is Anson, along with Chaplain Justin. Hello there. How are you today, Justin? Doing well. Good. I'm really looking forward to the conversation that we're having <laughs> for episode 12. Yes, me too. We're talking about tithing. The reason I'm excited about talking about this is because this whole show is predicated on the idea of, hey, we need to have some open and honest conversations about some of the tough stuff mm -hmm. in the Bible, in Christian practice, in belief. And I think tithing absolutely fits into that category. <laughs> yeah. It can be a pretty controversial issue. Mm -hmm. Honestly, anytime we're talking about money, that can get pretty sensitive. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about money in the context of religion, and what God expects from us. There's a lot of potential places where you could ruffle some feathers. One of the things that I was thinking about is introducing the concept of tithing to my children. Hmm. When I was growing up, one area where I felt like maybe there was a little injustice <laughs> was from a very young age, my parents had an expectation that I tithe. I have since passed that injustice on to mm. my children yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they have expressed the same outrage at times <laughs> that I expressed as a mm. kid. My 11 year old, she is one of these people and she would tell you this. She's just a, a hyper spender kind of person. Yeah. As soon as she gets some money, she's got to get it out of her hands, out of her piggy bank as quickly as yeah, possible. I respect it. And so we often have this conversation that comes up on a regular basis where maybe she gets some money for doing some chores or maybe for her birthday. And then we have a conversation about what we're going to do with that money. And we say, okay, remember our 45, 45, 10 rule mm -hmm. where we take 10% of our money first before we do anything else. And we tithe, then we're going to take half of what's remaining and we're going to put that into our savings account. Mm -hmm. And then we get what is left over after that. And that's your spending money. Yeah, it's so wise. Right. It seems like a good idea <laughs> unless you're 11. Yeah, it's the <laughs> worst. Then you go, wait a second. Yeah. Protest. I just got, yeah. And she's just indignant about it. Maybe most of us as adults, like, don't scream and yell about it. Mm -hmm. But I think we feel that same pressure of like, man, I don't get that much money. Like, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, it's not like I'm a bajillionaire. Like, I don't have a ton of money to spend. So you're telling me I got to, like, put some away for retirement and I got to put some away for savings mm, and for yeah. my emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And then on top of all of that, I got to tithe 10% of it. I mean, if I'm speaking selfishly, at least with that other stuff that supposedly is going to help me out at some point down the road, how does a tithe help me? Right, yeah. Sometimes the concept of giving away 10% of our income seems hard, especially mm -hmm. when you're struggling to pay bills and mm -hmm. there's really practical pressures that exist on us. I think that is one reality about tithing is that like my kids, sometimes we may not be very motivated to participate because mm -hmm. it just doesn't feel very fair, frankly. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of other reasons for frustration, skepticism, yes, even yep. anger mm -hmm. around the concept of tithing from the broader culture. I've seen actually a lot of hostility towards the idea 
of tithing Mm -hmm. because I think there are a lot of people who wonder, is this whole Christian thing just a big religious scam? Is it a front to make money? Mm -hmm. And it's probably not helped when you see some of these mega churches with their big giant buildings Mm -hmm. And what is it? The Instagram account with the uh, preachers and sneakers and sneakers and the designer stuff. There's all of that stuff out there. And so it starts to make you wonder. And then we've all seen the prosperity gospel guys Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. gals on TV shows. They're promising the world. If you just pull out your checkbook or your credit card and your seed gift, exactly. Make your donation. Mm -hmm. That just gets a lot of people's defenses up really quickly. Mm -hmm. And in some cases for good reason, because you're going, wait, are these guys like preying on poor, innocent Mm -hmm. people to take their money? Is that what tithing is all about? No wonder people are skeptical and upset about this concept. Absolutely. I mean, the reality is some of that skepticism, if we're really honest, there's some credibility to it. Yeah. I mean, not only the practices that you're talking about on the surface are like maybe the appearance of something's not right, Mm -hmm. but there's also been plenty of legal scandals around finances and churches and ministries, how those funds are used and Mm -hmm. allocated. And I guess I want to validate the skepticism. Right. And at the same time, I want to say, okay, human beings all over the place are messing all kinds of stuff up. That's true. Christians included. But what would it look like to look back at the source and not throw the whole thing away? There might even be some correctives in Scripture itself that we would actually have a firm foundation to stand on and say, hey, that's not right. This is not right. Right. Or this lines up with Scripture instead of that. You know, if we don't have those bearings, we we don't really have a place to stand from. That's a great point. So, I think that would be a great place to start for this episode is diving into some of the history and context, specifically from the Old Testament, about where this concept of tithing came from. A lot of us have probably heard of the word tithing. We may even know what it means like 10%. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in the Bible, it must say that that's what we're supposed to do right? because that seems to be what all the mm-hmm. pastors and churches say. Where would you go if you're like, all right, let's go back to the beginning mm-hmm. on yeah. this topic. Where do you flip your Bible mm-hmm. to to start this off? Well, this is a great Bible study principle is whenever people are talking about tithing, really, it's almost like having a pen and pointing it somewhere in the middle of the Bible and saying, okay, tithing is important. We should tithe, you know, (laughs) but you can take just about anything. I mean, really just about anything and find a storyline from near the beginning of the story all Mm. the way through. Before we get to like tithing specifically, I think the first part of the storyline is offerings. Mm. We know the story of Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. They both made an offering, one of like produce and one of uh, a lamb without blemish or anything like that. Uh, God is pleased with one and not the other. Why is God not pleased? We don't know. It's kind of confounding. Cain didn't ask God about it. He (laughs) Mm. just got angry and took it out on his brother. Mm. And so that's where some of the mystery is that he didn't ask God about it. And so a lot of, you know, theologians, well, he gave a a lamb, you know, and the other one gave produce. That's not allowed. Well, later on in the law of Moses, you're allowed to give your first fruits of grains and produce and all that. So it's like, okay, the issue is a relational issue, Hmm. you know, with God here. So that's one thing. Some offerings please God more than others, Mm. and it has more to do with the hearts of the people than the offerings. Interesting. And I think that's a huge principle. Yes. um, That we could... can already see maybe how that one's going to be woven into the rest (laughs) of the story a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And then we talked about Abraham and Isaac. 
right? God, he gives Isaac to Abraham, and then he says, offer him up on this high place, Mm -hmm. on the altar, Mm -hmm. to be a sacrifice. And we talked about the very first episode, I think. That sounds wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Just to even say it again. Yeah. But the point was, God was not going to take Isaac in that way. He was making a very severe point that he's the provider. You don't provide me with offerings. I don't need anything, which was the pagan practice all around them Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, the false idols. I provide. Mm. I provided Isaac. I provide this ram. And they rename that place the Lord provides. Mm. That's what they name it. Mm. Are we getting a picture of what (laughs) God's trying to say? So those are a couple of places to start. Okay. You covered with Cain and Abel, perhaps heart and posture Mm -hmm. over the specifics of the offering. Mm -hmm. And then with uh, Isaac and Abraham, this principle that God is the one that provides. Mm -hmm. It's not us bringing our gifts and our stuff that we've conjured up on our own. God provided that in the first place, Mm -hmm. and we're offering that back Mm -hmm. to him, essentially. And then we come to... The first mention of tithe is with Abraham again. And the king and priest of Salem, Melchizedek. Abraham has this great battle. He's victorious. He comes back and Melchizedek meets him and blesses him with bread and wine and a prayer. That's right. Which is a really interesting image, especially coming from our Christian context. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so the very mysterious king and priest makes it clear that the greater blesses the lesser. Mm. This king, this priest, is greater than Abraham and blesses him, and Abraham offers him a tithe. That's the first time that that word is used, a tenth of all that he has. The law of Moses takes its lead from Abraham in that moment. Mm -hmm. The greater blesses the lesser, therefore I give a tenth. It's the same thing as Abraham and Isaac. The Lord provides. He's the provider. He's the greater. He blesses the lesser. Little old me. So I offer, as a sign of all that, Mm. a tenth. And that's where the first mention of tithe comes from. So then we get to the law of Moses. Yes. And as you said, it kind of takes its cue from Melchizedek and Abraham. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think probably most people, at least those who are embedded into Christian culture, at this point have probably heard a sermon about tithing, literally meaning Tenth, tenth, right. But there was maybe, or could still be in certain areas, kind of some confusion around that, Mm -hmm. that sometimes tithing is used as a little bit more of a generic word in a Mm -hmm. modern context Mm -hmm. to just mean a gift or an offering Mm -hmm. back to God. But it's actually a very specific amount. We see that represented in the law of Moses that specifically talks about a tenth, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, a couple of different phrases are, are used that are somewhat different, but they're related a tenth or a tithe, mm-hmm. which would be a tenth of whatever it is that you're offering. And then the first fruits, right? which is very similar, really, with how they operate. The sense is that you are giving the first tenth, the first fruits, offering that to God who provided it in the first place. It's really a very ritualistic, repeated movement, physical practice that says, thank you, you're the provider, Mm. you're the greater, you have blessed me. So I want to offer this to say that. That's very different than some of the messages that we can kind of get that you mentioned is, one, if you do this, 
tithe, God will bless you, mm. has it exactly backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is because God has blessed, I want to offer this gift. Right. I want to say thank you in this very practical way that I feel. And just like uh, your daughter, we all say, no, but it's mine. Yes. And that's exactly the rub, mm. right? Oh, no, no, it's not. Right. This is a spiritual practice that's supposed to work this into us. Um, and it's not like a token that you put into a claw machine <laughs> and you get your like fluffy Pikachu yeah. <laughs> out Those things of the never thing. worked anyway. Never, yeah. <laughs> and some might say that about their seed gifts that they've put in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> not to get too cynical. <laughs> and so you could see it's so important to slow down and like just listen to what the few storyline points of the Bible have already said. Hmm. And how they undercut a lot of what we are frustrated about or skeptical about or even angry about when it comes to finances and the church and how the tithe is used and communicated about and, and things like that. Yeah. We're running against that grain. And my hope would be two things. One is like, it's even more wrong than I thought it was. <laughs> but the main thing was just like, oh, okay, I have some ground for this. Mm. And what could it be like? to practice these things differently. So we have maybe at least a little bit of clarity in the Old Testament about the tabernacle and then temple system. Mm -hmm. We have these books like Leviticus and Deuteronomy that have very detailed descriptions of how things are supposed to be done in terms of offerings and all of these kinds of things. But then we get to this complex aspect of modern Christianity that we get into a lot, which is, okay, so what are we supposed to take again from the Old Testament? Right. And what applies yes. mm -hmm. in a more modern context? First, in the New Testament, we come to the Gospels and we come to Jesus. Jesus himself says he came to fulfill the law. Yes. Yep. Right. But sometimes I think it's hard for us to practically sort out exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. We go, okay, well, it seems like we're still doing tithing. We still follow like the commandment about like not killing people. That seems like a generally mm -hmm. good idea. Mm -hmm. The tassels and the shellfish, maybe we don't need to like pay as much attention mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. But this question comes up a lot from a lot of modern Christians going, who decided that this part was important and that part wasn't important mm -hmm. and that this still matters and we still need to keep this, but we don't need to keep that. Mm -hmm. You get into a lot of complexity as far as, yeah, how does Old Testament practice and Israelite practice relate to modern church practice? Mm -hmm. So I, I think maybe we could start with Jesus. He leads off the New Testament, right? Yes, with the Gospels. Yes. Uh -huh. What, if anything, does he say about tithing? We do know that Jesus spends a fair bit of time talking about money yeah, in absolutely. general. Yeah, he, he does. Let's just say Jesus cared about money, and he cared about what it said about the human heart. Mm. So again, we're back to Cain and Abel. Yeah. You'll see throughout the Gospels that a lot of times when he's talking about money, he is challenging, he is questioning the religious authorities of the day mm. Who, what do they do? They made themselves rich, right? Yeah. Off of their position and authority. Like whenever he talks about you can only have one God, either serve God or money, you can't right. serve them both. That's that sticking point yeah. that he's trying to say. And there's yeah. a number of situations and things that Jesus talks about that reinforce that point. I think of like the widow's might. Right. Yes. The, the woman who comes and gives everything she has, even though it's very, very little. Mm -hmm. And Jesus points her out yeah. and says, this woman's heart is in the right place. Right. right? Yeah. 
or the story of the rich young ruler, right? The guy who says, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus ends up telling his disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person uh, to enter the kingdom of heaven. He repeats this theme multiple times throughout Mm -hmm. the gospels that reinforces this Cain and Abel theme that you've Mm -hmm. referenced, Mm -hmm. heart over gift size. Yes. (laughs) And the offering and and just what it's about and what Mm -hmm. it's for, you know. One thing to think about, like a book like Hebrews is really great to see how has Jesus fulfilled different aspects of the Old Testament and the law. And especially when it comes to these kinds of things, the tabernacle, the priests, the reality is that the priests and Levites really fall short in their commission throughout the Old Testament. And the way that they fall short is they get drunk and they make themselves overweight and they <laughs> they basically use these tithes for themselves rather than the work of the tabernacle and for the people. One of the things that Hebrews said is Jesus is not like those priests that fall short in a number of different ways. Mm. He's more like Melchizedek. 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 We're going to get there yes, by the end of the episode. He's more like him. Again, you have this reroute back to the point where tithing first started. Mm. The greater blessed the lesser Mm. with bread and wine and a prayer. Mm. That's the priest that Jesus is in line with. And he has no beginning or no end. He's a mysterious figure Mm. in the Bible, Mm. you know. Again, Jesus is the provider. He's also the provision. He's the offering. He's the priest. Mm. Like You go down the line of how he's fulfilled these different things. Yeah. The question becomes, okay, how does the book of of Hebrews apply this reality? So, Jesus is this provision, this provider, this offering that's perfect, fulfills the law. So, you should tithe like Abraham did. (laughs) 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 Not even close. (laughs) All he says is you should be able to know and be sure that Jesus is the Messiah Mm. who can save to the uttermost and hold fast to him. That's the point. Right. All, all this other stuff is secondary. <laughs> he didn't say anything about yeah. tithing, yeah. even though he draws that kind of fulfillment right. and shows that. We use this with the Heaven podcast, too, the theological idea, continuity, discontinuity. Mm. What other things are in the New Testament are like the Old Testament or not? That's a whole big tangled up yeah. mess for different folks. But this would be a good example. You see this fulfillment, the apostolic author of Hebrews does not apply from tithing. Hmm. He applies to faith in Jesus and remaining steadfast. Yeah. That's your application out of this. Hmm. And we find out in the New Testament, the word tithe, tenth, is not used one time. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to I was going to bring what? that up because yeah, you look through like the writings of Paul yes, yeah. and you see a lot of examples where Paul's talking about hospitality yes, and yes. support. Yes. Um he even talks to various churches about the support they've provided him mm-hmm. and how important and mm-hmm. critical their funding of his mission Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yep. So certainly the concept of financial support for this burgeoning church mm-hmm. is not ignored. But it's also not talked about with the specificity mm-hmm. that we see in the Old Testament. And as you point out, like the word tithe itself is missing. So maybe we have some examples from Paul or from others about conceptually, like Christians should be generous and yes. should be hospitable. Hospitable. But what we don't see is Paul making it really clear for us, like he does on some issues and some other places, mm-hmm. and telling some church, 
oh yeah, it's it's ten percent paid mm-hmm. weekly at interest mm-hmm. or you know I don't, like, yeah. <laughs> there's not like a financial formula yeah. that he provides unless you like, don't want god to bless you i mean it's up to you <laughs> right you make your seed gift you it know. just doesn't uh, feel at home in the new testament does it yeah yeah but, but so yeah how, how do we square kind of this it's not like a contradiction mm-hmm. but kind of this conundrum of like okay the concepts are here clearly mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily specific application mm-hmm. that is outlined So what are we to do with that? Right. Because I think sometimes we as human beings, like we kind of like the specific rules Mm -hmm. because then we know like, oh, okay, that's exactly what I'm supposed to do. Like just have a generous heart. Well, okay, but that's not very specific. Yeah. Paul. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, or, (laughs) you know, like, okay, I'm supposed to be hospitable. Uh But ironically, this kind of goes back to exactly what you were talking about with Cain and Abel. Right. Mm -hmm. Of like, well, you just want the rule of like, look. God, am I supposed to give you fruit or Mm -hmm. a sheep, right? Just tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll do it. But that's not the point. Is is that what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, who knows what God's up to? I know that (laughs) he does want our hearts Mm. and our hearts are expressed through offerings for sure. And what we might withhold, what we might be generous with. That says something about who we are at any given moment. So yeah, I think he's, he's after that. He's after lifting up Jesus as the one, Mm. the Messiah. He is the offering once for all Mm. for the forgiveness of sins, Mm -hmm. straight out of Jude, that's sufficient for salvation. Yeah. God really wants to make that clear. He doesn't need our tithe for that. That's for sure. And it's not altogether different. It's like way bigger. Abraham and Isaac, I'm the provider. This place is called I Provide. <laughs> yeah. Literally <laughs> named it that yeah. Yeah, in case you were yeah. kind of dense or missed it. Yeah. In some ways, Jesus is our tithe. Mm. I mean, of course, he's done way more than that. But if we want to really make it specific to this yeah. conversation, he is that for us. He settled it. Now, what the New Testament says, there's no tithe necessarily. But provide for your spiritual leaders. And that's the same principle as the Levites mm-hmm. and the priests, right? Right. There's no number necessarily tied to it, but take care of them. Be generous. Meet the needs of your faith community around you. Be hospitable. Just like you said, whenever someone comes in, maybe it's even the Apostle Paul comes to town. You want to open up your home and just make him feel welcome. Or someone like you know, the Good Samaritan, we talked about that story, uh, even a situation like that. I want to display Jesus in this moment and his generosity. That's a very different heart. It's not as specific, to be sure, but some of the same principles you can see are underneath what the New Testament is saying. There's also this real consistent Jesus-like distaste for the love of money Mm. that's just shot through this whole beginnings of the church and the apostles' ministry. Yeah, I I don't want to spend too much time on this because we could just feed into the negativity and the cynicism. Mm -hmm. But I do think for a moment, as we're talking about the modern church and what we do with all of this, we have to acknowledge the ways in which we have messed this up Mm -hmm. and we've gotten off track. And ironically, you were just talking about Jesus's very clear statements on Mm -hmm. what the love of money can do to us and how off base we can get Mm -hmm. when that's what's driving us. Mm -hmm. And yet we have churches that have fallen into that trap. Yes. We as individuals often fall into that trap. I'd throw myself into that Mm -hmm. category. I also saw recently a LifeWay research study that Mm -hmm. was released that had some 
kind of, frankly, I think alarming stats. We've joked about the seed gifts and the, mm-hmm. all yep. of that stuff. But the fact of the matter is most American Protestant churchgoers accept the prosperity gospel belief mm-hmm. that God wants to specifically prosper us financially. Mm-hmm. 52% of American Protestants say their church teaches God will bless them if they give more money to their church. 76% say that God wants to prosper them financially. 45% say that we have to do something for God in order to receive mm-hmm. material blessings from him, which is literally the exact opposite, as you pointed out, yes, yep. of what scripture seems to say about mm-hmm. this. Those are kind of alarming numbers mm-hmm. because they all seem to fly in the face of the story scripture mm-hmm. is telling about tithing and offering and finances mm-hmm. that you've talked about so far, is it not? Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of there's a, a passage in Malachi where it says, test me in this. Mm. And he's talking about the tithe. Right. That if you were bring your tithe, that I will bless you and you will have more than enough kind of in your storehouses. I think that's a verse that gets cited exactly. a lot in this conversation. And so, yeah. You could see, okay, I'm going to take that verse Mm -hmm. and I'm going to run with it. Let me try to be as generous as I can be. This person, this church really believes that. It's in the Bible. We're holding to it that if we're faithful in this, he's going to bring this abundance. Mm -hmm. I would still say it might be wise to look at the overall storyline of the Bible when it comes to offerings and tithes. Because it would be really easy to say, this is all the Bible says about it. Mm. There's been a storyline that's led up to that, which is essentially the tabernacle and the temple worship at that time has been completely abandoned for a long time. And you have this crying prophetic heart to come back, to come back. And guess what? They don't. Mm. We've got to know that storyline rather than take this one verse and build a ministry and church and... A theology of finances, all those different things. Just on, on this one thing. Yeah. yeah. If we were to go through the storyline, we would say, no, God blesses. And so we practice this offering to remind ourselves that He's the provider. Whenever we give, say in the church, to bless our spiritual leadership, we would say, I'm so thankful they're here and that they're giving their time in this way to serve this faith community. God, bless them with this, the way that you bless us through them. You're the provider of everything. It's yours anyway. I'm hearing what you're saying, yeah. and I've got one question. So am I supposed to give the 10% or not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Yep. I think a lot of us come back to that, mm-hmm. and we go, okay, I'm a member of a local church body that I love. I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I need to support my local church. Mm-hmm. By the way, like the average size of a church in America is relatively small. I know we see like the mega churches yeah, and yeah. the mm-hmm. preachers with sneakers and all that. You pointed out right before we started recording that many pastors are bivocational. Right, yeah. Look, I'm married to a church staff member and I can tell you she's not making bank. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. Most church staff are not in it for the money. Mm-hmm. And if they are in it for the money, they're probably not doing a very good job. Yeah. If the whole thing is a con just to make money, most churches are failing at it. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality. So maybe you accept that and you go, okay, I get it. I need to financially support my church. I need to be generous. Most Mm -hmm. importantly, I need to give out of a a grateful heart Mm -hmm. uh, in the abundance that God has blessed me with through Jesus and not through the dollars in my bank account. Mm -hmm. For those of us who are practical, do we still give the 10%? Where do you land Mm -hmm. on? Where does all of this story of scripture lead us for right now? If we were to let go of the 10%, just Mm -hmm. for a second, I really think of a prayer, something like this, God, 
how can I reflect your generosity to my church family and to those in need? Mm. To make something like that a matter of prayer, don't be surprised if opportunities come to the forefront, yeah. right? But if we need a principle, the 10%, the tithe is not a bad principle. Yeah, You see it in the Old Testament, maybe 10% is a helpful number. Then I would kind of push and say, what would it look like to grow in generosity? Mm-hmm. So from year to year, to keep on that, you know, that question, how can I reflect your generosity to my church family, to those in need? To come back to it and see it not as an obligation, right? right? Not as a get-rich-quick scheme, mm-hmm. not as a investment in a franchise <laughs> that's going all over the right. nation. And, yeah, down the road. <laughs> exactly. and all the, yeah. But to see it as a spiritual discipline. It is a practice like prayer is a practice, Mm -hmm. like singing is a practice. There are these tangible practices that we can do that build something into us that God wants. Yeah. God wants this practice of quote-unquote tithing, whether it's 10% or not, of generosity, of hospitality, of those kinds of things, to build into us this sense that everything I am, everything that I have is yours. Do with it as you will. Mm. And I'm grateful about that. I'm happy about that. I'm no longer kicking and screaming, even though that's the way I started. And thank you for your patience with me the whole... But now (laughs) it's like, I love generosity. Yeah, and I think that's such a good point, too, because these like spiritual disciplines, these practices, sometimes at certain times in our lives, we get this right, and I'm using air quotes, our generosity flows out of a heart condition into action. Mm -hmm. But that's the great thing about these spiritual disciplines is so often, maybe our heart isn't in the right condition. Right. And it's these spiritual disciplines, these practices that precede our heart condition, Mm -hmm. that lead our hearts into the right place. Mm -hmm. And I've been on both of those. Totally. Boats at various points in my life, right? Where I go, I am excited about giving to my church this week, or I'm Mm -hmm. excited about supporting this project that my church is doing, Mm -hmm. uh, or that this ministry is doing. I am giving out of a joyful, generous heart. Yes. Then there have been other times where I go like, wow, that's a big cut of that paycheck, (laughs) right? right. Or that bonus or that thing that I feel like I'm now obligated to give away. Exactly. Um, And I could then decide, well, you know what, if I feel obligated, that's not the right heart. And so I'm just not Mm going to do it. That's not quite the approach either, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes practicing the spiritual discipline, even when it is hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even Mm -hmm. when our heart isn't at the right place, can help soften our heart, Mm -hmm. offer it to God and say, here, you shape my heart through the practice of of the spiritual discipline. that, That reminds me, it's like, God is right here, right now. This is an ongoing relationship with him. And that includes, man, I'm thinking about spending my money on this. What do you think about that? (laughs) And a lot of times that might be, even in terms of prayer, like I just said, we might be prone to leave him out of something like that. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, I want this relationship to grow for him to take more and more of a residence in me and for me to know him more and more, even when it comes down to my finances and the swipes. Or yeah, how, how much could asking that question and, and trying to wait on that answer change some of our financial decisions? Yeah, it, it could just, do so dramatically. Just but. this ongoing conversation, like relationship. God is not way up there saying, you better give me this or else. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, he has every right to do that. He just, thank him, he is not <laughs> like that. Hmm. He comes down to it and says, you know, I gave you every breath you had today and every heartbeat. What if we just practiced, at the end of the day, you gave me a tenth. I'm thinking of my boys and their coins that they make for chores or right, whatever, right. you know. No, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's this whole, like, no, do it like this. Hmm. Do life this way. Let's talk about it. Let's grow through it. You yeah. know, what could we learn about what we're even capable of with our finances and our generosity? Like you said, to have a joy eventually that really stays true, that doesn't, you know, fly up and down right, depending right. on, you know, yep. because God provides and He's provided. Whether I have a lot or a little, I want to give. I want to give. That's the kind of person I am. That's the kind of Jesus that I'm following, and I'm following in his footsteps. Thanks for listening to Faith Refresh. You can find more Real FM pods and tons of other cool stuff on the Real FM app and at real.fm. Faith Refresh is hosted by Justin Rusinowski, and I'm Anson Beyer. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on your platform of choice. It will help others to discover the podcast and listen for themselves. Faith Refresh is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network, a ministry of John Brown University.